welcome. Um, I want to ask you a question this morning. Um, and I want to ask you, how many of you have ever played a sport? You see those hands. Okay. How many of us have never wanted to play sports and just don't understand and get it? Yeah. Okay, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> but do you remember, for those of us that played sports, I think the majority of the room raised their hand. Um, do you remember all the practices that you were expected to attend? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you enjoy them? No? Sometimes? I, I see a lot of shaking of heads. And uh, see, my days in track and field, I used to be a track and field star. Um, not because of running. Nope, definitely not that. But I used to do shot put and discus. So uh, for those of you that, that don't know what a shot put is, it's this... Uh, iron ball of um, weight. It's like eight or 10 pounds, right? Depending on like what you're competing. But I used to show up Monday through Friday after school and I would meet Coach Irons. And Coach Irons would coach me and how to do my best. And I would practice throwing that shot put. One of the things, you know, would grab the ball and then I would do, do the stance. Now I'm not going to do the full thing here because I am wearing a high heel <laughs> boots and I want to break my ankle. But you would do this thing, and you, you know, you'd position yourself, and then when I was ready, I'd like go and then, whoosh, you know, and I would like throw it. I loved it. And I was so good at it, okay? Yes, I'm bragging a bit. Oh, I was so good at it that um, I got a nickname. They nicknamed me Mighty Mouse. Because they said a short person should not be able to throw that far. And so, but, you know, I was good at shot put because I showed up to practice, I put in the time, and I just was willing to do it. But when it came to discus, not so much. I, like, avoided going to that. I was like, oh, I'm not going to practice on that today. And then when it came time to compete, I would be awful. And I'd be like, well, I don't really want to compete in this sport, so it doesn't matter, you know. And so I just would never give it the time. So I don't know uh, where you are, and the reason why I'm talking about practice and all this stuff and showing up is because we're going to talk about the practice of prayer today. And so I don't know where you are with your practice of prayer. Maybe your practice is um, random and kind of unexpected, like one of our students, high school students, Caitlin. Caitlin was challenged as part of the EU scavenger hunt that happened earlier this year. They were challenged to go up to complete stranger in downtown Hillsboro and pray for them. And Caitlin did it. She was the only one out of her group that was willing to do it. And she did it nervously, shakily, but she did it. And guess what? When she prayed for that woman, that Sunday we got to see that woman come here with her kids because somebody prayed for her. Isn't that awesome? Or maybe your practice is like Carlos's bestie or brother from another mother, Mario. And Mario, who made an Uber wait for him, okay? He was leaving to the airport. The Uber came, and he's like, wait, hold on to the Uber driver. He's like, give me a minute. It was longer than a minute. So shout out to you, all you Uber drivers waiting for people. <laughs> but he's like, I, I need to pray with you guys because... I just want to pray with whatever's stressing you out. I wasn't stressing out, but somebody else was. And so <laughs> he decided that he needed to stop and pray, and he did. So maybe that's your practice. Or maybe you can relate to what I used to practice. Um, I used to do this thing. It was really awesome early on in life. 
I used to get up at 4 or 5 in the morning, and I would spend hours in intercessory prayer. And I loved it. And God met me there. And then I had a baby. <laughs> and life changed. <laughs> I don't do that as much anymore. Pray for me. My prayers sometimes more in this season seem like, you know, uh, I get to a road and I accidentally miss the stop sign. And my prayer becomes, Jesus, please don't let that cop that I just saw us give me a ticket. You know, like, that becomes my practice of prayer. Or perhaps your practice is, Lord, help me get a good parking spot. And um, maybe for you, it's different. It's a daily rhythm. Maybe it's a rhythm that is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning and you continue that prayer as you drop off your kids to school or as you start your uh, day at the business or maybe um, as you... Enjoy your lunchtime. You just take time to pray or at bedtime. You just, you know, you before you knock out, you just, you're going to pray. Or maybe you're intimidated by prayer. And you can't even remember the last time you prayed, if at all. And perhaps instead of what, uh, what you offered your Facebook friend who shared their struggle was good vibes instead of prayer. And maybe the practice of prayer that you're used to or that you've known only happens in moments of crisis. It's like those 911 calls to God. God, there's an emergency. Google data showed that in March of 2020, the search for the word prayer went up 50%. And I'm sure you've heard that during 9-11, uh, church attendance rose by 24%. What does that tell us? That in a moment of crisis, people look to prayer. They look to God. So I get it. If that is your practice, that's all right. And see, the thing about this practice of prayer is just that, that it's practice. And I know we've probably heard, um, sorry, my ring is, my earring is making a lot of noise, so let me take it off. Um, this, this practice of prayer um, that, that we all get to do. Maybe you've heard the phrase, practice makes perfect. Have you heard that? When it comes to prayer, that's not necessarily what I want you to think. Just show up. Don't worry about it being perfect. Invite God into your day, whether it's a messy, crazy day, or it's a good and perfect day where the sun is shining. See, it's a practice. And I wish I could tell you, oh, there is a formula to prayer that every time you pray like this, God is going to answer your prayer. It's not true. There's no such formula. If you get on your knees three times and throw your hands up, that's it. No, there, no, it just doesn't work that way. So my question for you today is, are you willing to show up to practice? Are you willing to engage in this practice of prayer? Because see, regardless of where you are in your practice of prayer, today I want to invite you to be bold about your next step. Say bold. I want you to be bold about your next step in this practice of prayer. See, in sports terms, maybe you've only been running layups. But maybe you need to start throwing uh, some free throws or doing some three-pointers. Maybe um, 
you're just used to 9-11 prayers. Maybe you can start practicing, yeah, just call to talk, God. Nothing urgent. Just want to say hello. Or maybe you're used to praying safe prayers or prayers that are about you, but not really about other people. It's okay. See, we all need to grow in this practice of prayer. And, and, the, and a prayer really is such a ginormous thing to take on. I mean, there, I, I like struggled. I was like, I could go this way. I could do this. Or we could talk about that. Or we could talk. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Let me spend some time in prayer before I figure out what to talk about prayer. Because I do not know. And so we're going to look, uh, look at Luke 11 today um, as you consider if you'd be willing to take your next bold step in the practice of prayer. So you can open your Bibles or it'll come up on the screen. But in chapter 11 of Luke, it says this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. For as John taught his disciples, just as John taught his disciples, and in verse 2, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And then in verse 5, it goes on further to say, then praying Uh, Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, I would say the same thing. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Because of your shameless persistence. Say no shame. No shame. shame. That's what I want you to know about prayer. There's no shame. There is no shame in prayer. And see, Can you imagine how hard it must have been for the men that hung out with Jesus, the disciples, for them to see John's crew praying or for them to see Jesus praying and then wanting, like, how how do you do that? Like, they just didn't know how to do it, right? So they come to Jesus. Have you ever tried doing something that seems a little impossible for you? It's hard. Or have you ever tried to have the right words to say and they just don't come out, right? Happens to me all the time, especially when I'm here. Um, So I wonder if that is what the disciples felt as they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. If you think you can't do it, you won't try. You'll never try. And see, it's important that we pay attention to what we think about prayer. And um, I want to share this story. A few years ago, it was a a while back, I found myself climbing what felt like an 100-foot pole. It really was only 40 feet, but I'm short, so it felt really tall. Um, And so here I was climbing this pole. And see, climbing to me, it wasn't wasn't hard. 
actually, I like wall climbing and doing all that fun stuff. I, you know, I can handle it. I did the shot put. I can handle wall, you know. So here I am climbing, and it's no problem. But see, once I get to the very top, I have to figure out how do I get to the very top of this? How do I stand up on it? Like, I'm on the side. Like, I'm, like, you know, holding it. And I'm like, uh... And then I start thinking about how small that little space in that pole is. I think, yeah, the, yeah. like it's tiny. And I'm like, how am I going to do that? And I started thinking, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I just started like physically having a reaction to this. I like started shaking. I've never had that physical reaction to anything in my life, not even spiders. And here I am in this pole, trying to get to the very top, and I'm just shaking. I can't, and I keep telling myself, I can't do this. And I almost gave up. But my friends were there, and they're like, no, come on, Ilsen, you can do it. We're cheering you on. You've got this. Just, you know, one, one leg at a time, one foot at a time and stuff. And so, so here we are, and I'm trying to do this. And finally, I Manage, I don't even know how, managed to get one knee and then the other and then one foot and then the other. And I slowly stand up. And once I'm standing up there, I just start like shake, like my legs would. And I even like went like this. I'm like, stop. And it's like, like I just could not get myself to stop shaking. And I was like, okay. And see, the goal was once you're up there. You want to be able to jump to this bar that's right there, this metal bar, right? It's called the leap of faith. So you're just supposed to, like, jump from this little tiny circle, and you're supposed to be perfectly be able to just hold on and do that. So I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And I go to jump, and I missed it. <laughs> womp, womp. Um, it was not great. Um, but see, I feel like the practice of prayer is like similar in the way that it can seem scary if you've never done it. Or it can seem scary to go deeper in prayer or to try something in prayer that you've never tried. Maybe it feels like you can't do it. But if you allow yourself to think different, something different, maybe you'll realize that prayer is the genesis of an amazing faith journey with God. So let's think differently. Let's allow ourselves to think we can. We can go to God. We can talk to God. See, in a way that uh, I define prayer is communication with God. And a lot of times that communication comes in moments of need. And see, the thing about communication is that I'm sure you know this and you don't need a speech pathologist to tell you like they told me that for children to learn to speak, they need to hear you speak, right? For them to learn language, they need to hear the language. And see, in the early months of Charlie Joy's life, Charlie Joy's my 23-month-old baby. She just keeps getting older and older. We were told that for her to have the best chance at language, that we needed to follow up with her tearing test and continue to talk to her and to read to her. And so we were trying to do all these things, and we, we didn't know if she would have the ability at language, right? Because all we knew is that she hadn't passed all her hearing tests. 
and she still hasn't. So we don't know how well her hearing is. But this is what I know. We decided that we wanted her best chance at language, so we were going to start to teach her sign language. So we started her teaching her more and, you know, um, leche and eat and all this stuff. And now she, she's finally got it, and she'll, she'll do it, and she'll let us know what she needs. And then finally, she started repeating some words like dada. And uh, she says hola and agua and leche. And, yes, she is, we're teaching her to be bilingual. Those are all Spanish words. Um, and then a few weeks ago, she finally said mama. I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. It only took you about two years, girl. But no, I'm kidding. Um, but see, there's one word that she's learned that I know for sure the reason why she's learned it is because she hears mom and dad say it a lot. And that word, sadly, is Alexa. It's not Jesus. It's not amen. It's Alexa. And um, pray for us. <laughs> pray for your pastors. Um, but what's the point of what I'm telling you? It's, just, it's not just to brag on my daughter, but it's to tell you that like communication, prayer may start off with a little bit of words, if any at all. But if you keep doing it, if you keep showing up, it gets better the more you practice. And it's okay if you don't understand it all. And I think that possibly this is what the disciples were trying to have Jesus help them with. How do we communicate with God like you do it, right? So I love that Jesus shares with his disciples what has become known as the Lord's Prayer, or in Spanish, Padre Nuestro. I kept saying our Father in the other service, and I got corrected. And I was like, oh, it's because I'm translating from Spanish to English. <laughs> so I learned it in Spanish. But the Lord's Prayer, I learned it in Spanish. It said, Padre Nuestro, que estás en los cielos, santificado, sea tu nombre. And I'll stop there because it goes on. But it's the Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches them. But then we read that Jesus goes on to tell them a story because he really wants to teach them more about prayer. And it says, we read the story, but I'm going to repeat the first part. It says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to this friend of mine, has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. Let me point something out about this time. Hospitality was a strictly observed custom in the Middle East. And it was a big deal that this guy had no bread to welcome his visitor. So this put him in a very shameful and desperate position. A very needy position. So we can say that this man definitely was desperate. And another observation is here is the inconvenience of time, right? It's midnight. If you show up to my house at midnight, I'm going to grab my phone and get ready to dial 911. Maybe if I show up to your house at midnight, you'll be ready with something else. <laughs> I don't own one. And then for us night owls, see, midnight is no biggie. You know, 
Still got another hour or two. But back in the day, there was no electricity. So people kind of followed the rhythm of when the day, when the light was out, they were out. And when the sun went down, they went down too. So this man had been resting. So maybe, you know, he'd hit a few REM cycles already. But this guy shows up and he's knocking. It is not the best time to show up knocking on a very shut door. But here he is knocking anyway. And see, I, 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 my observation, another observation is that he asked not for one loaf of bread, but he asked for three loaves of bread. Could it be that he was like, I'm going to get a loaf for my friend, a loaf for me, and maybe a loaf for later? Like, that is some audacity, some boldness to ask for a lot more than what he needs. But he does it. And see, he didn't allow the opportune time. And he didn't allow, oh, it's midnight, it shouldn't bother. No, he's like, it's midnight, I'm going to bother this person. And he went. He did not allow that to stop him. And see, the story continues, and it says, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. It is understood by historians that back in the time, families shared one room where they would sleep in. So they're all sleeping in one room. And so I can understand why he doesn't want to want the risk to bother his family or to wake up his kids. And I totally get it. Do you know how hard the struggle of putting your kids to bed is? Like the last thing I want to do is take the risk of waking them up. So I totally get him. Or how awful it is to like get up after you find that perfect comfy place in your pillow. Like no. But here he is knocking. And the reason that it is believed that it was midnight when his visitor came was because um, it was frequently practiced in the east that they would travel by night to avoid the heat of day. And so his friend shows up. But when I read it, sometimes I wonder if, like, the story is told so that we're reminded that we all have a midnight hour. We all have an hour where the unexpected visits us, but that we can go and knock and not be afraid and have no shame in going and knocking. And finally, we get to the concluding part of the story, and it says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. No shame. The Greek word here. Now, I really practiced the saying last night, the pronunciation. So hopefully I can say it. Anidea. I think I'm saying it right. Impudence or what we just read, shameless persistence. This Greek word, the meaning of this word is widely debated in uh, scholars. By scholars and see and some say that it's referring to the attitude of the host and how shameless and negative he was to his friend um, but because they're, they're saying that this behavior violates socially and religiously sanctioned boundaries that in short the meaning of this refers to a shameful act that is considered as improper and unacceptable in terms of socially accepted norms so some scholars believe like this guy, his attitude was negative. It was not okay. But then other scholars 
believe that, yeah, this word generally in our language would have a negative sense, but that here in this story, it signifies no more than a holy boldness. And so there's this holy boldness or pursuing our petitions, notwithstanding delays or denials. And that's how some people see it. And so, and I say to you that it's both. It, yeah, it's sometimes, you know, in faith you do crazy things. Things that don't make any sense. And I say it's both because Hebrews 4.16 says to let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. See, we are to go with confidence before God because Jesus made a way for you and me. And that's why when we pray, we can pray some bold prayers. When we pray, we can pray prayers that, you know what, to the rest of the world, that doesn't make sense. Why are you praying for that? But you and I have access to God because of what Jesus did. And this is the truth that you need to know. God loves you. You have a God that loves you, that cares for you, that he came so that you would have a life and life abundant or life to the full. See, but you got to know that there is also an enemy of your soul. There is an enemy, and John 10.10 says that he came to kill, steal, and destroy. And there's this spiritual realm, a very real spiritual realm, that you and I get to trust Jesus with. And we need to go to him to have the grace to not give up. Because Jesus... In teaching us why we should pray with boldness and persistence in Luke 18.1, says that he tells his disciples, always pray and never give up. There are going to be times where you are going to want to give up. And see, I love that Jesus says pray. Don't give up. You should always pray and know that you have a God that loves you. That's why you can go to him and be honest with him. And so when you feel the, the spiritual oppression or whatever is going on, you know that there is an enemy, but that through prayer you are strengthened to not give up. And you can show up. And I really sense that I needed to share this. If you are here and maybe you've been fighting thoughts that tell you your family is better off without you, that is a lie. Don't believe that lie. You are loved. You are needed. God has a purpose for your life. And there is hope and mercy even for your greatest mistakes. God loves you. And then we hear Paul echoing this boldness and persistence in prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 where it says, Pray without ceasing. Even when you continue to see the injustice, pray. In difficult moments and in everyday moments. In moments where life is hard and in moments 
where the sunshine in the Pacific Northwest is lasting longer than expected. Pray. Pray in the good times. See, because prayer communicates our trust in him. And the more we practice this, the more you will grow in trusting him. Hear me again. Prayer communicates our trust in God, in our heavenly father. And as we read earlier in the Lord's prayer, he is our father. And this is what we need to know about him. He's not like an earthly father that will fail He's not like an earthly father that will walk away from his children. He's not like an earthly father that promises something and doesn't come through. He is our heavenly father who is faithful. He is good. He is able. So we come to him in prayer to show that we trust him. Trust him whether we get the answer to the prayer we were hoping or if we don't. Trust him if we get a yes, trust him if it's a no, or trust him if it's a wait. See, we can worry or we can trust God in prayer. So I want to give you this little tool. When you start getting worried about things, it's an opportunity for you to pray. So when worry comes, turn it to prayer. See, you see... Trust is best experienced in a relationship, and I know you know this. And Rich Viotas in his book, The Deeply Formed Life, says, focus on relationship, not technique, when it comes to prayer. And so prayer is about relationship with a good and faithful, loving Father who desires to provide for your every need. And one thing that I've learned in my marriage relationship with Carlos is that the more we spend time together and the more we experience, the more I can trust him. And it happens because we're in this context of relationship. The more our trust grows. And so maybe you're showing up to this practice we call prayer. It's just that. Maybe for you the next step is just showing up. It's just saying, God, I've not really done this prayer thing before, but help me communicate with you. Maybe your next best bold step is to say, Father, help me trust you. See, one of my favorite verses is in Psalm 27, 8, and it says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And see, and I believe that's the relationship. He wants to hear from you. He wants to talk to you. So why pray? Because our Heavenly Father listens to you. He listens. And he's not busy or distracted on his phone like our husbands are sometimes. He sees you. He sees you. And not only does God listen and see you, but also our Heavenly Father answers. God answers. And maybe your next step in this practice of prayer for you is to dare to ask him and give him space to answer. I think sometimes we're used to a monologue prayer instead of a dialogue prayer. 
So maybe the next step, it means that you get to listen to him. And listening looks and sounds like this. Or my favorite, I love doing this. I will just sit, crisscross applesauce, and just listen. So whatever listening is for you, maybe that's your next step in prayer. And we pray bold prayers to become eager participants in God's purpose, in the purposes of God. See, the work of the kingdom is advanced when you and I partner with God, partner in our praying, partner in our giving, partner in our serving. That is how the kingdom of God is advanced. And see, when we partner with God in prayer, you're saying, I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you, God. This mom thing, man, I need you with this mom thing. This boss or running a business thing, I need you. This forgiveness thing, I can't do this without you, God. This gas prices keep going up, but my income isn't. Can't do this without you, God. This giving 10% of my income in this economy, can't do this without you, God. But we pray, may your kingdom come and may your will be done here at Evergreen as it is in heaven. Did you know that every week people turn in prayer requests through a connection card that they fill out in person or they do it online? And there is a group of about 30 to 40 Evergreeners that every week pray over those needs. And we've seen some answers to prayer. And we want to partner with you in prayer. We want to be able to pray for what you're going through or the needs that you have. So maybe your next bold step is to let people in and what's going on in your life and partnering in prayer. You can do that today. There's a card in the seat pocket in front of you. You can fill it out and let us know. That's how you can pray for me. You can go online and fill a prayer card that way. If you, for our online audience, you can let us know by clicking on that link. See, I want you to know that there is nothing too small or too big for God. There is nothing too small or too big for God. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. Even for the ones that have lost a few, he knows the number. What does that mean? That he cares about the details of your life. God cares. And so I want to ask you to close your eyes right where you are so that you're not distracted and so that you can focus on the next thing that I'm going to talk about, that I'm going to share. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, prayer does not mean simply to pour out one's heart. It means rather to find a way to God and speak with him, whether the heart is full or empty. And for that, one needs Jesus Christ. 
Maybe you're a guest here, whether you're in person or watching online, and maybe you've been here for, or maybe you've been here for a long time, but you've not placed your faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Well, the truth is that he died for you on a cross and he paid the penalty of your sins so that you and I could have forgiveness. But it says that on the third day he rose again so that you would have everlasting life. See, this gift of salvation is available for you. And I'm asking you, if that's you, and you're in this room, to be bold in your next step. With everybody's eyes closed, if today you want to say, I want to put my faith in Jesus and I want to receive forgiveness of sins, right there where you are, because I'm asking you to be bold in your next step, would you raise your hand and say, that's me? I see that hand. I agree with you. If there's anybody else, if today you want to put your faith in Jesus and ask for forgiveness of sins so that you would have eternal life, right where you are, raise your hands. If you're online, you can give us a hand emoji, and we'll know that's the decision that you're making today. Well, I agree with you, and I thank God for that faith step that you've taken and now for the rest of us I want to invite you to take a bold step we're going to sing a song and while we sing this song I'm going to invite you I don't know where you are like I said in your practice of prayer maybe you've been praying for a long time and maybe prayer has lost its appeal become boring maybe it's become just a duty but I want to invite you to be bold as you respond to God's word today and if you're in a place where you say man I want to get better at this practice of prayer or maybe you're in a place where you're like man I just want God to meet me because I've been knocking and it just seems like he ain't getting up wherever you might be your bold step is this as we sing this next song would you make your way to the front and talk to God about it